How does the 1979 Iranian Revolution impact the coming prophecy concerning the War of Gog of Magog? How did American foreign policy miscues shift the balance of powers in the Middle East today? Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini, Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, Ayatollah Hassan Rouhani, and Iraq's Saddam Hussein are just some of the key individuals that impacted this global alignment of nations, which just happens to coincide with Ezekiel's prophecy in chapters 38 and 39. Join us now as we elaborate on these subjects and more in the world's next great war, Gog of Magog. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Just my opinion. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. This is a uh, continuing series that we're doing concerning Ezekiel's prophecy of the world's next great war, the War of Gog of Magog. And uh, this is the second part. In the opening, we kind of went through the uh, introduction to the war, gave you a brief summary of what this is going to be, uh, what nations will be involved, and also what things that happen politically uh, as a result of battle and war uh, in Israel that had to happen in 1967 and 1973 in order for the fulfillment or the players to be in place, so to speak, uh, to, to line up with Ezekiel's prophecy. So now we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to jump into 1979. There is some dramatic events that happened here that has a direct correlation on the uh, on the structural layout, not only for um, some of the individual nations, but also the power players and how that structure completely flipped from what was 1979 to what we see today. Um, so as we roll this out, I'd like to ask you if you can, if you could hit the like or subscribe button. Um, as, as most of you know, we, we try to approach subjects uh, with a biblical foundation, but also looking around what are the relevant facts that may support what or or, or may disagree with what we see um, in in the Bible, and so in this case, we're looking at recent history, um, history that hopefully many of you will be familiar with, and if not, it's it's easy enough to research. Um, so the because these are things that especially what we covered today, directly impacted the United States, which is where I'm from. So, you know, people would, would be able to recognize that. Again, um, I, I'd ask you if you can join the website or jump on the website and join our email list. We're on all the different social media platforms. Uh, I'm not sure if you hear the big horn in, in the background. That's the town horn going off for whatever reason. I'm not sure. So I'll just try to talk above that, and uh, forgive me if you can. I did mention that uh, the the slide that you may be seeing now, if you're watching on video, this covers some of the major cities uh, and capitals of the countries that will be involved in the War of Gog of Magog. And when I say the world's next great war, this will have an impact that will resound around the world. There will be no question about it, and, and you will see why as we really pick apart uh, the scriptures. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Um, so, but before that, I'd like to, again, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to what happened in the, starting in the 60s, but really 79 and up. 
So if you're watching on, on, on the screen here, I'm showing you some images of some people that you should uh, be aware of. Uh, one is Saddam Hussein, the former president of Iraq, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, the former uh, leader of, uh, of Iran, the Iranian Re uh, Revolution. And then you have the current Ayatollah who's in there today, which is Hassan Rouhani. And we're looking at former President Jimmy Carter, who was president from 1976 to 1980 uh, in, in the United States. And then the Shah of Iran, which is to his right, which is Mohammad Reza uh, Pahlavi. Uh, you also see signs or, or pictures, I should say, of the uh, Iranian revolution as it impacted the United States, where they took attacked the United States embassy and took hostages. Uh, I forget the final amount. Uh, it was with me before, but I'm going to say somewhere 443 days, I think, uh, but but close to it. So you, you see these are stark images that I remember of the hostages being let out in front of the cameras. Uh, there's a helicopter crash that uh, impacted the rescue operation, uh, the United States military rescue operation, and then to the left, uh, you, you see the protesters in the streets in, in Tehran. So how does this impact the, the war of Gog of Magog? So let me get into it. Um, the, the Shah of Iran, as I said on the right, he would be considered a reformer by today's standards. And even back then, in the early 60s, he was a proponent of uh, open freedoms for certain uh, religions. So today, as you probably are aware, uh, you cannot practice different religions in the country of Iran, at least openly. Um, he, on the other hand, allowed not only them to practice, but he allowed or people to run for political office. And so much so that they were able to use their Bibles, whether they were Jewish or Christian, to swear them into office, along with the Muslims who would swear into office with, with the Koran. So that was obviously dramatically different. different. Um, around that time, you also had the Ayatollah Khomeini, who was an, uh, opposed this. He fought this, and within a year or two, um, he had enough uh, power in government to get these laws taken off the books where he was pushing that only the Quran could be preached and, and, and accepted. Um, so there was, you know, obviously a major political confrontation there. And eventually um, he was or left, I, I believe, you know, for his life because uh, he was under threat from uh, um, the Shah, or at least um, people who were sympathetic to the Shah and, and enjoyed this freedom. Um, he eventually went to Iraq, the neighboring nation, and then on to France, where he spent many, many years in France, but still uh, corresponding and sending, uh, sending letters and writing and, and, and communicating with his followers in, in Iran. So that was very, very important uh, to set the stage of what happened. So around 1978, the Shah uh, re was diagnosed with a severe form of cancer. Uh, long story short, um, he was uh, seeking medical attention, wound up seeking medical attention in the United States. And you have this political turmoil that was happening. It was heightening in the streets of Tehran and, and in the surrounding cities. Uh, people who were sympathetic to the Ayatollah uh, as opposed to the Shah of Iran. And uh, 
Jimmy Carter, who even though the Shah and Iran were great friends, or I should say, you know, friendly terms with the United States, and I will mention Great Britain and France as well, um, he fought, didn't uh, embrace the idea of, of, of giving the Shah a safe haven, if you will, or the proper medical attention that he was seeking in the United States. And this, in combination with the turmoil that was going on in Iran, they wound up storming the American embassy, taking the hostages, as I described. And then you had that that going on for the 400-plus days. Eventually, President Ronald Reagan was um, uh, became president in 1980, and on that same day, uh, they were released. So obviously, there was some exchanges there of what the military would do once Reagan was in office, which convinced the Iranians to release the American hostages. Um, as, as I said, the Shah was great friends with the United States, Great Britain, and France, uh, three of the what I would consider the five major superpowers in the world today. And the reason that this is so key is what happened is they, they became, uh, they, they flipped that uh, alliance, and now you see Iran very co- closely aligned with Russia, the Soviet Union, and even more so China, and, you know, major, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in the next section. There were major agreements that were entered into with China for financial assistance and some uh, uh, mutual services that, that will be exchanged. So this had a dramatic impact on the West and the East. So here you see Iran, this, you know, very, very powerful um, uh, civilization and people. And, and now you see the situation where they're, they're opposed, the Americans, and they've opposed uh, Great Britain and France. So that's, you know, a key reason as to how these things will lay out in, in the latter days and the reliance. So here we see Russia and uh, the Soviet Union at the time uh, strengthening their alliance with uh, Iran or, as the Bible notes, Persia. And the reason this is so important, as we discussed in the, in the, in the first section, is the relationship that it's going to be led by a union of uh, f- countries from the north and including Persia. So today you see this alliance happening with Russia and with Iran, with the new Ayatollah. Um, so that's a key uh, development. The other thing that, that was interesting and, and kind of really blew up in the United States face is they made an, a, an agreement with Saddam Hussein because they viewed him, not that they had this great relationship, but they viewed him as a necessary opposition to the Iranians, because you had this Sony Shia Muslim um, uh, discrepancy or or, or, or uh, opposition with one another, uh, I'll get into this in a little bit. But there's the, the philosophies, the way they viewed the Muslim religion, um, differs quite quite dramatically. The the Shias, which is what predominantly the Persians are or the Iranians, that's roughly twenty percent of the Muslim population today. In Iraq, you have mostly Sunnis, but you have a fair amount of of Shias. And interestingly enough, if you go to the north, you have the Kurds in there as well. So here the United States is supplying Saddam Hussein. They go to war against Iran. It was a 10-year war. Um, And and here the United States is giving 
all of the uh, military wherewithal and, and the finances that are necessary to combat this war. But in the end, uh, he turned his back on the United States, and we wound up going into war first in the early 90s in the Gulf War, where uh, Iran had invaded Kuwait, and we came to their defense. And then later, as many people know, 2001, and then the uh, the ensuing war that happened there. So this has a dramatic geopolitical impact. It really flipped the scale completely from 1980 or 1979 uh, on from, from what was prior. So again, this has a very, very significant impact on what we see in the landscape today in this area of the world. So all that being said, I'd like to lay out some conditions uh, of what this war will be and really kind of dig into the the uh, the scriptures of, of Ezekiel chapter 38. And I've got some uh, pretty significant highlights here. So what are the war conditions? That Islamic nations that are enemies of Israel, 38, 2 through 6. They don't say Islamic nations, but if we look at who they are today, uh, they are Islamic nations who happen to be enemies of Israel. And this will occur in the last days uh, when, when Israel is restored, uh, 38, 8, and 16. Israel be, will be in control of an area that they did not control until the 1967 Six-Day War and the 1973 Yom Kippur War. We covered that in our opening section. And they have to control the Golan Heights, which we uh, also discussed. In the Old Testament, this is called the Bashan, which is referenced in Ezekiel 39:18. So Syria cannot be in control of this area when the war of Gog and Magog takes place. And I will tell you that, you know, obviously they are not today and nor will they be. Um, it's, it's a heavily fortified area. It's a very, very tiny piece of land, but it's in the direct north of Israel and they can look down on on Israel, and, and they have a strategic military advantage should they uh, capture that area. So, uh, you know, um, I, I will say since 1967, they've had that area. And I, if you look at how they got it and um, how they've defended it, and, and uh, it, it's clearly the hand of the Lord is on them and, and with them. So, just kind of wanted to lay that groundwork. So let's go into Ezekiel chapter 38. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog. Remember, that means a person, a president, a pharaoh of the land of Magog. We've established that that's Russia and what I'm calling the Stan nations, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, uh, um, possibly Afghanistan and so forth. Uh, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, which we know is Moscow and Tobolsk. Uh, they prophet, it says, prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, prince, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army. So notice that the Lord is, is, is really kind of putting it to them, putting a hook in their jaws, much like, you know, uh, Pull, pulling a hook on, on a fish and you pull him in. It's it's the same thing. It's the same premise is that the Lord says, I will do that. It says, your horses, your horsemen fully armored and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Here comes the other nations. Persia, Kush, which we know is modern Sudan, 
Put, which is Libya, be with them, all with shields and helmets, also Gomer, which we know is areas of modern-day Turkey. It says, uh, so get ready, be prepared. Uh, and it goes on um, um, in, in verse seven, uh, verse 8, in the blue highlight, if you're following me on video. In future years, you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They have been bought out and from the nations, and now they live in safety. So notice there, and we're going to touch on this in a bit, it's safety. A lot of people say, well, they have to be in peace, and Israel isn't in peace. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says they must be living in safety. And I would say they live in relative safety today because not only the hand of the Lord is guiding them, but if you look at the the quality of the Israeli army, I you know, I could make a case that they could be the fourth-ranked uh, army uh, above, you know, below the United States, China, and Russia. Uh, some would argue you might want to put um, France and, and England ahead of them. Uh, possible. I, I don't know that I would. Um, it goes on to say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. So he's saying that Thoughts will come into the mind of Russia and these nations. And it says, I will invade a, a land of unwalled villages. So today, uh, you know, most of Israel is unwalled, but, you know, you can go throughout uh, d- different uh, sections of, of Israel, uh, especially around the West Bank, Gaza, Jerusalem, where you'll see those walls. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot them and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. goes on to say, Sheba and Dedan. Now, Sheba is uh, considered to be modern-day Ethiopia. Dedan would be uh, Saudi Arabia. And, you know, not exactly, but, you know, very close borders compared to what it was. I'm, I'm just kind of pointing that out as far as where you can look at this. And this is interesting. And it says, and the merchants of the Tarshish, which is considered England, not even considered. I mean, you know, pretty much it, it, most of the research points there. And if you look at the King, King James and it says, and all of her young lions. So England, as many people know, you see the symbol of the lion out there. And I could easily make a case that the young lions could be the United States. Very often, you know, people will say, well, the United States isn't in, in the Bible. It's not in prophecy. And I, I, I can't disagree with that. But I, 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 this is an interesting point here because they're saying that they would make an alliance with Israel. And, uh, you know, if you think about the United States, they broke free from, from England and uh, you, you could easily make a case that they would be considered the young lions. And many, many people do make that case. Um, so let me go on. Let me jump down to verse 15. It says that you will come from your place in the far north. I've said this before. If you take a compass and you go directly far north, uh, if, you're, if, if you're standing in Israel, and it will point directly to the uh, former Soviet Union or Russia or the Russian Empire as we know it today. So now let me jump down to the bottom, uh, verse 18, going into the yellow highlight. It's, this is what will happen in that day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, this is my Lord, uh, this is my Lord, this is the Lord speaking, 
My hot anger will be aroused, declares the Sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. So he's setting the stage. There's going to be this war. He's, he's luring them out. He's bringing them. He's identified all of the nations. And when they get there into the, into the mountains of Israel, I forgot to say that too, uh, Israel is controlled, has control of all of her mountains. And another thing too here is, remember that it says there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Prior to 1948, there was no land of Israel per se. There was no nation of Israel. So that's another point. This could not have happened prior to 1948. It had to be, you know, the land of Israel. Then it goes on to say, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground, and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. Pretty significant. So, you know, the Lord's making a statement. He's telling you what will happen and that you will see this great sign and symbol. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all of my mountains, declares the, the, the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. So that's interesting. He's saying there will be this great earthquake and, and uh, natural calamities. And if you picture that you've got these different uh, nations attacking and you see some from the south and the southwest, uh, from nor- northern Africa, as well as what's coming from the north. And it, it, according to the word here is they're going to be against each other. And in the midst of this, Easily, you can see there potentially could be a great deal of confusion. You don't know exactly who you're fighting against. He goes on to say, I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops troops, and on the many nations with him. So he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not only going to cause this great earthquake, I'm going to open up the heavens. There's going to be rain, hailstones, burning sulfur. You know, what does that describe, the burning sulfur? You know, uh, it, it could be, um, you know, coming from the sky, a meteorite, whatever. Could be nuclear. I, you know, I, I, I can't say. Um, I, I kind of hesitate thinking that this would be nuclear, at least from the side of Israel, uh, they don't want to do it, obviously, in their own land. Um, but also, this is where the Lord is really kind of, he, he's declaring himself as he is the one who who is going to settle the score here, that man will not be uh, given any type of credit. So here you've got this situation, the earthquake and, and, and all these calamities are coming on. And it says, and so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. They, they, then they will know that I am the Lord. So again, the Lord is saying, I am going to do this and the world will see it. And he says, I will show my greatness and my holiness in the sight of many nations. The people of the world will be seeing this. They'll be watching this. They'll be seeing what's going on, obviously, with this many nations involved attacking this tiny, tiny country that will become victorious by nothing that they've done on their own, but by everything that the Lord does for them. And he does this with these uh, uh, great natural catastrophes, uh, I I will call them. So that's setting the stage. Let's kind of review 
why they will attack, where and when. So it's why will they attack? They want to seize Israel's land, uh, Ezekiel 38, 11 through 12. And I'm going to cover that in the following cl- uh, closing section as to why they would want to go after their land. They want to steal Israel's wealth, 38, 12 and 13. I promise you there is something that is happening uh, today, currently, uh, within the last couple of years, that dramatically impacts the finances of Israel and Russia. It has a direct correlation, and we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more in our in our, in the final section, in the third section. And I will apologize. I know I said uh, in the first um, piece of this that there will be two sections, but there actually I made a mistake. This is going to be divided into three categories because there's a lot to cover, and I also want to make sure that we don't leave any stone unturned. So the final reason that they want to, want to attack is they want to slaughter Israel's people. Uh, we saw that in Ezekiel thirty-eight sixteen. And if you think about modern-day Iran, they constantly say, we want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. They want to eliminate the Jews. Uh, and that's, the, that's almost a mantra that comes from them. Where will they attack? 38, 8, we talked about it, the mountains of Israel. We, you know, the the Jewish people have control of all of the mountains. And interestingly enough, just a side note, that there are seven major mountains in Israel. And most people uh, know that seven is the number or the number of perfection with the Lord. When will they attack? So there's three things that must be in place beforehand. And this is kind of what I'm driving at when I'm looking at the geopolitical uh, climate of today. Uh, Israel must be present in their homeland. I give you a bunch of different scriptures that support that. Um, This could not have been uh, fulfilled prior to 1948. They're in their homeland. And again, I pointed out that uh, they they would be, um, uh, that they they had to be declared the nation of Israel. So Gog, the coalition, coalition leader, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long become desolate. So before the Six-Day War, the mountains of Israel were in the hands of the Jordanian Arabs. And if, without, with the exception of there are some mountains right above uh, West, West Jerusalem. But again, their neighbor, uh, Jordan, and we know from the Six-Day War, we've covered that, how they came at Israel from all areas. But that was another uh, piece of the puzzle that I don't think I described in the first section but the, the mountains must be in control by the Israelis, and they are today. Israel must be prosperous in her land, and they are incredibly prosperous. I had the good fortune of visiting there uh, several years ago, and I was just blown away, uh, not only at all the prosperity, but all, all of the wonderful riches that you see. And you think about this country being supposedly in the middle of the desert, but yet the flowers are blooming. Uh, vegetation is everywhere. They've 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 uh, uh, perfected the the art of irrigation in in this area of the world and, and techniques that they've learned that uh, were, were just they, it resulted in what we see today as far as the development of all their vegetation and flowers and whatnot. Uh, they're also the third most Nasdaq listed company in the world, just behind the United States and China. Now think about that, 1948. And yet here we are, uh, 72, 73 years later, and they're the number three nation. They have the largest number of startup companies per capita in the world. 
They are home to 18 billionaires and 105,000 millionaires. And you can go on and on and on. But it's, it's very clear that they have become very prosperous. And if you think about how this land was in the 19th century, it was a barren desert for, filled with nomads. There was nothing there. And how quickly that this has turned around and how God is calling his people back. And Israel must be in peace or safety. Now, we talked about that with some translations say safety, uh, peace, but it's really in safety. There's never been a time in Israel's existence where they are not concerned about its defense. They're always been surrounded by enemies. However, if you look at the climate today, we talked about the uh, uh, the peace agreements that are going on between Jordan and Egypt and some of the uh, other Gulf states and, uh, under the Abraham Accords. And I will say that you know, today, probably more than ever, that they've been in, in a degree of safety. I would even go so far as there is a great deal of respect. They may not say it in many of the Arab countries, but I know that there are working relationships. There are strategic intelligence relationships, not only with Egypt and Jordan, but with Saudi Arabia and some of the other Gulf nations. So let's wind down, if you will, to chapter 39, which is the, you know, the closing. As I said, this, this covers 38 and chapters 38 and 39. And so here, here, let me follow me on the highlights. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Again, we, you know, we mentioned that. So he's going at him personally. And I will bring you up from the uttermost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. Reiterating what we've, what we've already laid out prior in 38. And then verse 4, highlighted in green here. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all of your hordes and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. I will send fire on Magog and those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will go on in verse 7, And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profound anymore. So the, the Lord is drawing the line here. Uh, you know, the people of Israel, there, there's a lot today that, you know, a lot of the people of Israel don't, necessarily um, follow the traditions or I would say are in covenant relationship with the Lord. Certainly many are and they're feeling called back to their land, uh, but there's a great deal that's not. Um, and, and this is you know where the Lord, and if you picture what has transpired in, in chapter 38, he's really made himself known not only to the world, but to the people of Israel. And I would think that this would be an incredible sign that they would draw near unto him. Verse 9, Then who, those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and make fires of the weapons and burn them, shields and bucklers, bow and arrows, clubs and spears, and they will make fires on them for seven years. Now, this is so important. Um, you know, people who say that th this, you know, will happen uh, well into the tribulation, it says the fires will burn for seven years. So they will not need to take wood out of the field or cut down out of the forest, for they will make their fires uh, out of the weapons. Um, and verse 11, on that day, I will give Gog a place for burial in Israel. He's saying, I'm going to bury you in Israel. 
This, and now I'm going to get into uh, verse 12. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burning them in order to cleanse the land. So seven months, uh, they're, 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 they're going to be, that Israel has to come in and, and cleanse their land. And, you know, you can imagine the amount of, of, of disease that is coming from these burning corpses that they're going to need to take care of. So this goes on for seven months. And uh, I, I'm going to say that this could very well set the stage, and I believe it will, and, and I'll go into this a little bit more in the third section, of the peace treaty. I believe that the, the world will see, and the world will witness, and they will want peace with Israel because they will recognize that, that the God of Israel is with them. I'm going to jump down to verse 21, and I will set my glory among the nations, and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed in my hand that I have laid on them. The house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. So he's, he's, he's made it very, very clear. Um, jumping down to the uh, bottom here on verse 28 in the closing of chapter 39. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, because I have sent them into exile among the nations, then assembled them into their own land. So he's reiterating what we know, that he's scattered the Jews, he's brought them back into their land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore. I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. So those are pretty dramatic statements. This is a very, very impactful war, uh, potentially the most impactful war up until this time, uh, that, that the world will know that, that, that God has intervened and he's done it. Notice that there's no mention of any of the Israeli army, not that they wouldn't be involved, but they're going to have very little, if nothing to do with the ultimate outcome, that this is really where the Lord says, I will, I will make myself known and, and they will know my glory. So on that note, let's talk about the fury of the Lord and some, actually, let me just jump over to something that's somewhat interesting here. Just, there's another fulfilled po prophecy, if you're looking on the right, that involves the nation of Russia and the Jews that are there. Between 1989 and 2002, 1.1 million uh, Russian Jews emigrated to Israel. And again, we've, we've talked about how the Jews feel called back to their land. I'm going to point you to Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15. Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Verse 15, but the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north. Remember, Jeremiah, is, is this is prior, this is before Ezekiel, and he's calling them the land of the north, he, you know, that this is the land that will be attacking them. But he calls out the Jewish people first. He calls them out and brings them to the land before Russia invades and before the, 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 this conglomeration of nations invades. And from all the lands, uh, whether he had driven them, and it goes on to say, and I will bring them again into their land that I gave to their fathers. So I just wanted to point that out. That is a fulfilled prophecy. We can see that today, that that happened. So, I'm going to jump now to the left, from the right to the left. We're reading like a Bible, right to left. Uh, the, these are precursors to the war. Some of this we've covered. Just wanted to reinforce this. The Lord said, first, the physical restoration of Israel and the Jewish return to the land would be set in motion. 
37, 4 through 8. Second, after the physical restoration of the state of Israel began, then second, the spiritual restoration of the Jewish people would be set into motion. 37, 9 through 14. Set into motion. This is a long way from from, uh, them being aligned with the Lord spiritually, but progress is being made. Um, Then once again, uh, Israel was reestablished as a state. The Jewish people were being regathered to the land, and the Lord was drawing the Jewish people back into relationship with him, and Israel was living securely in the land. Talked about that. With a degree of prosperity, we mentioned that. And, and, And only then, so when these things are set into place, then the Russian-Iranian coalition would be set into motion to rob, kill, and destroy Israel and the Jewish people. It should be noted that Ezekiel does not describe Israel as having peace. We talked about this. Rather, twice Israel is described as living securely in verse 8 and 11. Some translations, I will say, um, do say do say peace. Then uh, I'm just going to close with the fury of the Lord, the anger of the Lord. And in his anger, he's making himself known. So this is, uh, you know, a demonstration, but it will be a call to people that will draw near unto him. And I'm going to go into a lot of the possibilities of what this really means, not only to the Israelis, but to the church, to, I believe this will set into motion a great resurgence, a great call to the Lord and I'm going to really cover what I think is, is going to happen, that there will be a great um, outcry or um, change from Muslims to Christians, that they, they will be uh, on their knees uh, looking to Jesus. So consider Ezekiel 38, uh, 18 through 19. It will come about on that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord, that my fury will mount up in anger. In my zeal and in my blazing wrath, I will declare on that day that there surely will be a great earthquake in the land. Uh, Ezekiel tells us this earthquake will shake the entire globe. It says all of the men who are on the face of the earth will shake in my presence. So picture that. You know, I'm 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 in the northeast of America in, in the state of New York, and I could potentially be feeling this earthquake if I'm here. Um, uh, you know, and and this is really the 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 heart of it, or the thrust of it, will be in the land of Israel. The enemy forces will be some so frightened and disoriented during this massive earthquake they will start to turn and fight each other. Terrible diseases, pestilence will start to spread through the enemy forces. Verse twenty one. As God judges these enemies of Israel, Ezekiel explains that the Lord will rain on him, meaning Gog and his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, a torrential rain, hailstones, fire, brimstone. Fire from heaven will fall on the enemies of Israel, consumes and destroys them in divine judgment. The Lord also says, I will send fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands in safety. In other words, parts of Russia and other enemy countries will be devastated supernaturally by fire from heaven. Uh, The Bible does not tell us exactly how this will happen, but it clearly describes supernatural judgment. This does not appear in the text to be a war started by the Israeli defense forces, but rather this is a a, a, a war that started uh, by the armies of the North, this coalition. But notice before when I said that God will put a hook in his jaw. So the Lord is luring them out. 
the text indicates the God of Israel steps in, defends Israel himself with fire and brimstone. He utterly destroys them. Again, a supernatural move of God. And why does God act to protect the nation of Israel and defeat Israel's enemies? He tells us in 22 through 23, he wants to bring judgment and reveal himself in his power, his glory to Israel and to all of the nations. So this is a stand that the Lord is taking, that the Lord is showing that he's making himself known and strong throughout the world. And he's going to do this with pestilence, with blood. I will enter into judgment with him, meaning Gog. I will magnify myself. I will sanctify myself and make myself known in the sight of many nations. And they will know that I am the Lord. So there you have it. It's it's very clear that the Lord will come to the rescue of Israel. He will make himself known. And this is where I say you're going to... Uh, this will be a sign to so many people throughout the world, and they will ho- hopefully, for their sake, get on the, get on their knees and recognize that Jesus is the Christ, that the Word of God is true. And, 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 and again, I'm just trying to point out how a lot of these things are being set in motion. Um, and I've said this often, I'm not a, a, a date setter, um, but I am pointing out the fact that signs are drawing near that this is potentially... It could be, you know, six months, a year. It could be 10 years. And I've said this before, it could be 100 years. But 100 years isn't far away. 100 years is not that far away. Where I stand today in 2021, I read all about 1921 in the history books. It doesn't seem that far away to me. So it's it's getting close. So we're going to uh, wrap it up here. Hopefully you enjoy this. I certainly... I love reading the Word of God and, and, and examining uh, Scripture in the light of what we see around the world today. Um, we're going to go into the last section and wrap this up by looking at the modern-day geopolitical landscape and why some of these things, and we talked about the where, when, and why Russia would be doing these things. I'm going to show you exactly why or potentially some of the reasons that we see that are already in place. They're pretty clear and evident. I'm going to be pointing out things. I sit here recording this in April of 2021. I'm going to be showing you things that are happening in February, March, and April of 2021. I'm going to bring this right up to to current day analysis. So again, I want to thank you for your time. I'd like to say you've been a wonderful audience. I'm going to trust that you are. Uh, Always grateful for your time. I really am. If, if, If you enjoyed this, hit the like, subscribe button, get on our email list. Uh, Again, we just notify you when new topics are coming out. Uh, Questions or comments are always welcome. Prayer requests are always welcome. Uh, Just email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Thank you again. Uh, And I hope to see you in the conclusion of of Ezekiel's War, of of the War of Gog, of Magog. We're really going to bring this right up to date. I am Mark Russick, and you've been listening to the Russick Outlook. As always... Just my opinion.